All right, let's get in the Word. Father God, thank you for the opportunity tonight to get in the Word of God and to lift you up and glorify you. And what we're talking about, you're here in our conversation, but Father, it is important who gets in office. And Father God, I think we've seen a lot in Apopkin. We've seen you turn a city where there was a lot of corruption, and I think that this church helped pray that out. Father God, the state of Florida is a powerful, wonderful place to live in this nation, and, I, and I'm asking that the people of America that are born-again Christians begin to realize what is at stake and what the enemy is attempting to do and how he's planning on doing it so that we don't fall into his trap. It's not, Father, with the politicians to do something for us. It's, Father, this is a collective. It's about America. It's about righteousness. It's about the gospel. And Father God, we don't need to be losing that right. And we give you praise and honor for helping us as a church, helping Adam, helping whoever's running for, for governor around the United States and running for elections. I pray that you would place righteousness in the seats and remove unrighteousness from the seats and begin to and continue to drain the swamp in Washington, D.C. from the corruption that we've allowed to stay there over time. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Get your Bible out and go to Acts chapter 13, verse 1. We have been talking on Wednesday nights about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I, I, uh, I'm not sure how, how far we're going to get tonight. I want to get over to the gifts, but I got to cover something that's on my heart before we do that. Every time I keep trying to go back over and get into the gifts I was going to talk about the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge tonight and operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and I could get no peace about it. And I kept, I kept writing notes, and it didn't work. And I finally said, Lord, and finally, and you know, this is, this is true for me. I don't know if it's true for you. I know it's true for my wife. Sometimes 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I'll wake up, I guess because it's quiet and I'm quiet, and the Lord will begin to talk to me about some things. And, and he, he woke me up and he, he said, I want you to talk about when the Holy Ghost speaks. And so the sermon tonight is called The Holy Ghost Said. Even though we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, there's more to this than operating in gifts. There's a lot more to this whole uh, thing than just having a prophecy on Sunday morning or a tongue and interpretation on Wednesday night or a word of knowledge. And I want, I want to get into all of those so that you become comfortable operating and working with the Holy Ghost. But that takes us back to the statement. I want you to get comfortable working with the Holy Ghost. He's a person. It's not about the gifts. It's about a person called the Holy Ghost. Benny Hinn wrote a book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And he said his ministry began when he got to intimately know God, the Holy Spirit, as a person. Yes. And that's important for you and I. So I want to talk tonight, and, and I want to make a statement to you. I want to start clarifying. There is an atmosphere God works in. I want you to think about this. When I slow down, it's because I want you to think. God works in an atmosphere of reverence and worship. When we come together as a church, we bring the presence of God in here with us. But we can grieve the Spirit or we can attract the things of God so that we're creating an atmosphere for Him to work. If you don't, he won't. And, and that's what I want to start off with tonight by showing you that you can, you can have an atmosphere where he will not come to church. I know people say this, God is everywhere. Yes, and in that sense, he's in hell, but not doing anybody any good down there. But he's not manifest everywhere. That's why you can go to some churches and go, man, is it dead in this place? Hey, he's not manifest. He's not showing up. And you can go to other places, and he is showing up. 
And, and even though you have a Holy Ghost church, every service doesn't mean that he's going to show up in your church, especially if you start taking him for granted. Well, you know, in the Bible, and I wrote this in my pastor's notes, and I want you to listen to this. When it says in the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 2, verse 3, or 3, verse 2, um, that we have left our first love. What, what Jesus meant by that was that when I was dating Lisa, she was on my mind all the time. And every waking moment of the day that I wasn't working, I was planning on being with her. And then when I was with her, I was enjoying every moment of it. I wasn't sitting around looking at my watch going, how long are you going to be over here? That's not first love. You know what I'm talking about when a boy and a girl, young man, a young lady are dating. And Jesus made a statement to his church about that. There's a danger in you being a Christian a long time. I didn't say that you were being bad. After a while, it gets easier and easier and easier to go through the motions of Sunday and Wednesday and your heart is not in it. You know, I'm talking about marriage again. You can walk in the house, hey, babe, how you doing, honey? What's happening? What's for dinner? Well, that's not the way you talked 30 years ago. It was like, whoa, hey, you know, and stop kissing me. We got to eat, you know. So there's, you, if you're going to, if you're going to keep the fire going, you got to put wood on it. And the same thing's true with church. You can't just come in with an attitude well, it's Wednesday night. I wonder what the pastor's going to say tonight. It's Wednesday night. What are y'all doing? I mean, ain't nothing else. It's raining. I don't feel like going to church. That's not the way you acted when you were dating. Acts 13, and I'm going to start with verse 1. There was at the church in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. What were they doing? They were ministering to the Lord. They weren't just sitting around the room and the Holy Ghost started talking. There was something going on in this building that caused him to go, I have something to say. They were ministering to the Lord. And I'm going to tell a little story about Jamaica. My, my first time down to Jamaica with Lisa, we went to a uh, little area called Chester Castle. Now, if you've never been to Jamaica, I'm going to tell you a little secret. When the sun goes down, it's black in the mountains. Lisa and I were walking down a road one night, and two men said, good evening. We never saw anybody. <laughs> and we said, good evening. And we kept walking and went, oh, my God, we got to get off this road. It was a little road, barely big enough for one car, but two, you know, and, and um, it was way up in the mountains. And we went up there, and, and um, we were supposed to meet a group from another church, and no one showed up but Lisa and I. We weren't married yet. They had me in the house up on the hill and Lisa in the house down the hill. So we said, well, let's just take the church and do a revival. So Lisa and I, uh, she got her guitar out, and I got my Bible, and we went down to the little church and told the people in the community we're going to hold a revival. First night we had like how many people, baby? Three, four, six or seven, not very many. One light bulb in the middle of the building, and that was it. Well, the atmosphere was so bad in that church. I looked at Lisa, and I said, get your guitar and uh, let's, let's just worship the Lord. She said, they don't know the songs. I said, I do. <laughs> because we needed to break the atmosphere in that church so I could preach. And she got her guitar and came up in the front and she started singing. And her and I had a worship service. And I think the, the, the little Jamaican sitting in that church I think the building was about from here to that door and maybe half that wide. I mean, probably hold 30, 40 people max, maybe, right? I don't know. But anyway, so that night I preached. Well, the power, after we sang a while, the anointing entered the building. 
I looked at Lisa and I said, let's go now. And I stood up and I preached. People got out of that crowd of, she says six or eight, I didn't know there's that many. I think one or two people got born again. Somebody got healed and filled with the Holy Ghost. The next night, the building was full. Because they went, God is in that building. And the same thing happened the next night. We turned a little light bulb on. And I said, Lisa, bring your guitar up here. And she sang and her and I worshiped until the anointing fell in the building. And I'm going to make a statement to you. uh, And I want you all to listen to me. I actually walk in two offices. I walk in pastor prophet. That's a very difficult mix because it's not pastor teacher. Those are the nice guys. The worship in this church can help me or hinder me in my preaching. That's why we're very careful who's on the stage. It, we don't, that's why sometimes if Lisa's up there leading worship and she changes the song and the band didn't practice it, y'all just be cool. Because the, whatever they practiced, nothing's happening. It, it, very few churches do that. And I'm going to make another statement to you. I think mine and Lisa being married was God-ordained because there's been a lot of times I've needed the anointing on her life just so that I would have an atmosphere to preach in. And she's not a worship leader. She's literally stands in the office of a psalmist. And it's not a matter of how well she plays the guitar. It has to do with her standing in an an office and there's an anointing on her to lead the church in worship. And and, and I'm not mentioning names, but in the past, we've had problems with people on the band going, we didn't practice. Well, then put the guitar down or the drums down or whatever and sit down. Because right now we're changing songs, whether you know it or not. If you don't know it, hum, sing in the Holy Ghost, do something. But, but don't hinder the flow of God because you didn't practice that song last week. Do you all understand that? Okay, and that, that means that the band has got to be a little sharper than a bunch of tacks. I mean, they really have to be able to flow in the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's just a little preview of church for y'all. But that, we've had services where the worship was just dead. I mean, it was just when I got up, I mean, it was like preaching to, to, to bales of hay in a barn. It was just, uh, and it wasn't y'all's fault. I mean, we just did not connect with God. And I think sometimes I should have just looked at Lisa and said, well, you just lead, we're just going to worship until, until God starts moving in this place. We're not going to just, just go on and start preaching when I can't preach in this atmosphere that's in here right now. And there may be times we do it, and it's not always because of that, but sometimes we do need to. So I want you to see, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Holy Ghost speaks when you've created an atmosphere of respect and worship. And and that's why we're not seeing the gifts of the Spirit in operation like we used to. It used to be people came to church to go to church. Now people come to church to put in their time like you're in some sort of a prison system and, and you clocked in and you're clocking back out and in an hour and 23 minutes and you're just, you kind of come in and you're standing there with your arms folded and the worship's going on. You're killing the service. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. This is not in my notes anywhere, but we'll just follow it. Back when I worked with Tom Copeland, I was the youth pastor, and he let me lead. He let me make the announcements on Sunday morning. I think Sandy will attest to this, and maybe Melanie. There's a couple of Sundays Tom didn't get the pulpit back. <laughs> Holy Ghost fell on me, and I just took He let me do it, too. Uh, I, I'm not that brave with Josh Brown yet, but anyway... One, I remembered one Sunday morning, the Spirit of God came in the church, and when the anointing for healing comes on you, it feels like someone took a, a navy peacoat soaked in water and put it on my back. 
it is very heavy. The word, the, the word glory is the, is the Hebrew word heavy. It's weighty. And, it, and it's heavy to carry. It's heavy to walk around with it on you. And so I knew it was a healing anointing. And I knew that, that once the worship ended, that, that, that God was going to have me praying for sick people in the building. And it was a week that everybody had the flu. I mean, everybody coughing and hacking and stuff. And God came in to heal everybody. But about, about three-quarters way through the worship service, he left me. He, he, let, he just came off, he came off of me like a, like a bird. Just, and he was not happy when he left. He said, he said I'll be back when they're, when they're ready to worship. And, I, and, I, and then after that, the spirit of the prophet came on me, and I stood up and I corrected them for their attitude, for their lackadaisical attitude about God. It's not a game. And they're in there just kind of talking during the service and joking around and people coming in the building late. Folks, that, that, he's not going to put up with you. Know, you can come in sick and go home sick. You can go home and die. That may cost you your life. So anyway, I got up and corrected the people and they got out of their chairs and got down on the floor and started, started repenting, started asking God to forgive them. The anointing to heal came back on me. I mean, God healed everybody in that building that day. It was, I mean, people were laying on the floor. People were drunk in the Holy Ghost. I mean, he came back when the people said, please forgive us for attitude. But there is a, there's an atmosphere that God talks in and moves in. So you have to know that before you start talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Because you start hammering out a gift of the Spirit and he's not there, then, and, and I'm sorry, but there's people who think they have to perform. Man, they call me a prophet. I got to say something to somebody. No, I don't. I don't say anything to anybody. Sometimes you don't want, I'm telling you, sometimes you don't want a prophet to say anything to you. Look at Acts 10, 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what the vision meant, he had been praying. He had been up on the housetop praying. Behold, men came from Cornelius and sent to inquire of Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked Simon, whose surname was Peter. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said. Now, he had been upstairs in the presence of God praying, he had already been in the presence of God when the Holy Ghost said, I got something I want you to do. Now, listen to me very carefully. Even though we have a Bible that says, go into all the world, did you know it's impossible for Paul to go into all the world? It's impossible for Lisa to go into all the world. It's impossible for Tony to go into all the world. So how does Tony know what to do? How does Paul know what to do? How do I know what to do? Because there's no way in the world one man can, can do the Great Commission. But yet we all have a part to play, right? It boils down to the fact that we are living in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. You're going to hear from God or you're not going to get in the will of God. Now, I know that I'm going to make a statement here, and this may, you, may, you may not like what I'm going to say at all. You can have a Bible and read it every day and not be in the will of God. Because there's nothing in the Bible that says, go to Word of Life Church. Amen. There is nothing in your Bible that says, do an ice cream truck. There is nothing in the Bible that says, go to South Carolina and preach. There is nothing in there. You're going to have to hear from God, and you're going to have to predetermine, you're going to put yourself in a place where you can hear his voice, because he's not talking all the time to you. Um, I, I said this to you the other day, and I want to say it again. I think it, I think it would bear you hearing. I don't get my sermons from a book. I don't. I tried it. It don't work. Somebody preached one time, someone said, what book did you get that out of? And I said, yeah, yeah, it sounded like you got it out of a book. When, when I'm praying during the week, if I'm not getting anything from God, I have to stop 
everything I'm doing and go into my bedroom, I have an office at home, and pray until I hear from God. And, and I mean, there, I've gotten to where now I don't, I'm, I don't get under the pressure because I've had it, I've had it come down to Sunday morning at 4 o'clock. I still don't know what I'm doing. You're talking about keeping you humble. Because, you know, I mean, I, there's something on TV and Lisa's watching it and I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing. I got to pray. And I mean, it doesn't work if the house is noisy. It doesn't work. I can't come down here to the church and pray. It's too busy. I don't mean it. I mean, it's nothing wrong with the people in the church. It's the atmosphere is a, is an, is a work atmosphere. You can't come in here and pray. I can't. I got to go home, lock the door, shut up, leave me alone, turn everything off and spend time with God. And until I get a peace and I know that I know that I know I'm not comfortable getting up here. I mean, I don't have enough knowledge. I could fake it for a little bit. It wouldn't be long. You'd be going, hey, you had not prayed much this week, have you? All right. But then there's times you go, Woo, my God, what hit him this week? Well, I'm very comfortable if I know God said do it. As a matter of fact, I've already got my sermon right now for the week after Father's Day. As a matter of fact, I've got the next month's sermons after. And I mean, I have been praying this week, I would say almost all week because when I start having a feeling of, of divine dissatisfaction, and I can't put my finger on it. I'm reading the Bible, and it ain't making any sense, and every scripture, I don't like it. I don't want me. Yeah. I know y'all don't understand a thing I'm saying, but I'm going to help you. I'm, just trust me. I mean, I, I mean nothing. I don't want to preach on nothing. I don't even want to go to church. And, and that's dangerous, so I pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and I get before God and go, you are God and I'm not. Come on, you have. And all of a sudden, he'll give me a scripture or he'll give me two, and it'll blow up and it'll blow up and it whoa on me. And I'll go, oh, yeah, and then all of a sudden, three, four, five, six, the next thing you know, I got a month to preach, you know, and, and, I'm, and I know that I know, and the, good, and the good thing about him doing that. Because some of the stuff he's asking me to preach on, I wouldn't touch it. But because I know it's God, I'm going to do it anyway. Now, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. I've had times when I worried about what you thought of my sermon. But I'm 64. I don't care no more. If I'm going to lose someone in this church, I'm going to lose you because you don't want to walk with God. I'm not losing good people to keep the lukewarm happy. You can stay lukewarm, baby. I am not, uh, I am not stroking you. If you don't like the way I pet the cat, turn the cat around. But there are times... When we've got to get down to business and preach on some stuff that everybody else don't want to even talk about. I just thought, well, I surely liked it. All right. But do y'all understand that? And, so, and I mean, sometimes I have to, I think sometimes God just puts, my, puts me in a vice and he won't let me wiggle until I agree I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm just miserable. I'm just like, I don't want to do that guy. He's, yeah, you do too. So, and, and once, you know, I mean, if God is for you, who, who gives a hoot, who, what everybody else thinks or doesn't think? And, and let me make a statement. If you come in here with money, don't flash it to me. I, I, I love you. I, I do. I love I mean, put all the money you want in the church. My God, put it all in the church. That's right. But don't ever walk up and try to buy me. Because I ain't for sale. I ain't changing anything because you make six figures and it starts with four or five. I don't. You, you understand? That's, you, you have no idea how many preachers have bit the dust over money. Don't touch the girls, the gold, or the glory, Brother Hagin said. I, I ain't touching none of them. 
Amen. Amen. Now, I love rich people, but I want you to live for God. All right. Okay. Now, let's go to Acts 8 and look at one more. I'm trying to show you that there's more to the book of Acts than just preaching Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing that at all. Do you understand that? That's the, that's the gospel. But, but, it, but the book of Acts, it says at the beginning of, your, of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Scratch it out. Because when Philip went down the city of Samaria and preached, he's not an apostle. And when Ananias prayed for Paul, he's not an apostle. And when Philip went down the city of Samaria and preached, he's not an apostle either. This is the Acts of the church or the acts of the Holy Ghost. It has, it, 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 the apostles are in it, but honey, there's more to the church than the apostles. Amen. So anyway, the book of Acts is really, it's a dispensation of God, the Holy Ghost, moving on people. And that's what it is. That's church. That's what makes church, church. All right, Acts Eight. When I was a boy, my sister married a Church of God preacher's son. Robin married Johnny Hammond. Johnny Hammond's dad is Curtis Hammond. Curtis Hammond's old line Church of God. Anybody in here old line Church of God? I mean you. I mean holy rollers. And I and they took me to church. They rolled. They, baby, they rolled. I, I mean, I'm a heathen, and I'm watching this thing. We don't hold a candle to, the, to their, they rolled. They, I mean, the Holy Ghost hit. They span, they span, they spun, they, whatever they did, they did it. They jumped, they hollered, they shouted, they prophesied. And I mean, they'd get up in the floor and take off and roll to one side and roll the other and speak in tongues. And I'm sitting back there going, "Woo, this is crazy. But now at some point, they, stopped, they got tired of being called holy rollers and they wanted to be more dignified. And the Pentecostal movement as a whole is dead. Now, was some of it excess? Yeah. Well, so is being dead. Now, I mean, if y'all guys think being quiet's a move of God, then, then I can show you some churches in town where they ought to have a real move of God. I mean, it is so dead, you can hear them snoring during the service. I mean, I've heard tongues before, but... Ain't it, you know, I mean, it just. <laughs> Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now we're not going to talk about the angel of the Lord right now, but maybe one day we will. And said, I want you to rise and go south along the road, which goes to Jerusalem, to Gaza. This is the desert. He arose and went, and behold, a man of the Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority under Cadence, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of a treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot and reading Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 53. And the spirit said to Philip, go over, take that chariot, get out there and talk to that guy. Now, there's a lot of times people, you're talking to people to get saved, and they're not ready. But it's a whole different ball game when you're doing something that God said, I want you to go talk to that guy right there. And I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Those are fruitful. When the Lord says, I want you to get up and go over there and talk to that guy and lay hands on him and minister to him. And I, can, and I, mean, I don't have time right now, but I can tell you hundreds of stories of people that, that I've stopped what I was doing because the Lord said, I want you to go minister. I was in a meeting one time, and I, it was a massive convention. I think it was Rodney Howard Brown's meeting. And I'm on one side of the convention, and a, I saw a brother in the Lord on the other side of the meeting. And when I saw him at the end of the meeting, everybody's stopping, everybody's going home. The Lord said, get down and go over there. I have something I want you to say to him. 
And I got down, I just made it all the way across the building, walked up to him, shook his hand, and said, hey, brother, and I asked him a question. And he looked at me and said, oh, I don't know about that. And I said, well, I do. And what I told him came to pass. I won't tell y'all. It's just one of those things you don't need to say. But you know, there's a time that God will say, I want you to go talk to them. My first person I ever got filled with the Holy Ghost was a little boy in Tulsa. Mary Lou, I can't think of her last name. My boss name's Mary Lou, had a little boy. And one day we were in the office and the Lord said, lay your hands on him. I'm going to fill him with the Holy Ghost. I had never done that and I didn't lay hands on him. And the Lord said, lay hands on him. I'm going to fill him with the Holy Ghost. And I went, no. I said, Lord, what if I do it and you don't? Well, I didn't lay hands on him when I got home. I was miserable. If you disobey God, you're walking around just, oh, oh. And you can't figure out why you're miserable. You know, you think it's something you ate. You know, nothing you ate. And the Lord said, why didn't you do that? And I said, Father, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm going to say, I'm going to lay hands on you, and God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And you don't. I'm going to look stupid. Come on, I, I had my struggles too. And the Lord set me down and said, every time, you know, anybody that asks me, I'll fill anybody that asks me. And if they don't, it isn't your fault. You just give them the word. But he had to kind of walk me through and coach me a little bit in how a person, and that's when he taught me the word. He said, tell him to receive it. He said, you don't have to worry about my end of it. And he says, if you'll always tell him to receive They'll all get filled. Amen. And I went, okay. And then I went back and prayed for him and got filled with the Holy Ghost. But you know, there's been many, many times in my life when it's been a matter of the Lord speaking to me and saying, I want you to go talk to this person. Now, you say, but, but you know, we're called to go preach the gospel. Well, you are, but not everybody's ready. Let me tell you another story. This is a little bit of a negative one. When I... When I first started pastoring, I didn't really like being here. I didn't. It was, it was hard. Christians are difficult. And American Christians are really difficult. And I've always wanted to be an evangelist, and I've always enjoyed preaching. So we had a lady invite me to Cuba. And I didn't even pray about it. I just said, I'll go. So I packed up and flew into Quesaltenango, Guatemala, took a C-90, and flew into Havana. You call it Havana, but it's Havana. So I flew in. You never saw so many bicycles. 55 Chevrolets, 46 Fords. Oh, my God. And they're still running. And, and, and the ones that do run. And so I'm preaching there. I leave Cuba. I fly back to Quesaltenango, Guatemala. And, and they have houses there for you to stay in. And I'm walking around the room praying. And the Lord says to me, what are you doing here? Now, this is my moment. Y'all, forgive me for my stupidity, but I'm going to tell you what I thought. That's a stupid question. I mean, Mark, and I quoted it to him. And I was kind. He knew I thought he was being stupid. But I said, you said, Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I'm doing what you said. He said, and he said it real, real, real tough. It hurt when he said it to me. I mean, he knocked the wind out of me. He said, I didn't tell you to come here. I told you to go to Apopka. Now go home. I went, oh. Yeah, he told me. Now, that's how I know if y'all don't live right, you don't know God. Because if, if he ever, that I, the Lord said this, the Lord said that. I watch your life. He ain't talking to you half as much as he talks to me. Because most of the time he's talking to me, he's straightening me out. We got to preach more on this. We, you, you guys need a real good dose of God talking to you. Because... He's a parent. And if everything he says to you, you like it, 
you're not hearing from God. That's why some people like it noisy. They don't want to hear from God. But he told me, you go home. And I didn't go on mission. I cut back on mission trips until the Lord said, go. That's when that time that Harvey asked me to go to India, and the Lord said to me before Harvey invited me, he said, you will be getting an invitation to go to India. It's me. And when they ask you, I want you to go. I said, I don't want to go to India. Now, let me tell you something. The Bahamas? Yeah. Hawaii? Guatemala? India? No, no, no. India is like an armpit. It's, it's, uh, it's dirty. It's nasty. It's noisy. All you have to eat is rice, rice, and more rice. You sleep in a rope bed that's five foot long and I'm 5'10". Come on. I mean, it's not, it's not a vacation destination on anybody's website. And snakes, and you can't get a hamburger anywhere. Because they think it's grandma, they don't. And I didn't want to go. And he said, why don't you want to go? And I said, well, I'll miss Lisa. And he said, do you love Lisa when you do me? And I said, no, sir. He said, you're going to get an invitation and I want you to go. And I said, well, okay. Now, that's the reason I told you the story that when, 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 I, when I was going to miss my flight on the way home because they had a riot in the city, I, I threw a fit in the taxi. I said, I obeyed you. I'm here. I've been here. And it's time to go home, and I want to go home. Now, y'all thought I was a great man of faith, but I just put my foot down. I said, I did what you said, and they're blocking the streets, and I can't get to the airport, and I'm going home. And that was a flight taking me to Mumbai so I can come home. That wasn't the flight home. That was the flight to get the flight to get home. If I miss that, I miss the next one, and I can't see Lisa for another week. And I'm not having this. I had all the India I wanted. Two weeks was enough. And that's when the tractor came out of the field and came up, and I don't know, and he looked at the guy, and he said, and then we followed the tractor through the city and got me to the airport. You thought I was a great man of faith. I'm thinking, no, I've been here. I did my time. I'm going home. God sent an angel to get me home because I kept my end of the bargain. I came. Now, you do your job. You're God. Oh, boy, okay. So we're seeing from the book of Acts that it really has a lot to do with what does God the Holy Ghost have to say to you. And you have to have an atmosphere to hear his voice. Now, let me go back to talking about praying for a bit. One of the reasons that you're praying a lot to hear his voice is not because he's being quiet. It's that you've got to get your soul quiet. You know, listen, listen to me. We live in a world that's busy. And your soul is noisy. You got to do this and you got to do that. And what about this and what about that? And, and I mean, all of those pressures are hitting you all the time. If you don't set yourself aside, close the door and determine I'm not leaving the room until I hear from God. Because all of the other things that I was going to do today are unimportant if I miss God. And so you have, to, you have to set yourself apart, and you have to get in. Now, that's why we have church. We have church to create a place not only for you to hear the word preached, but you know how many times I'm preaching and you're hearing something I didn't say? I mean, I'd like to go around the room one day and have you guys stand up and hear what God said to you while I was preaching because you're in the atmosphere of God the Holy Ghost and I'm saying things and you're back there and I can see you taking notes and it's nothing I'm saying. You're in the presence of God and you and I need to be in the presence of God. 
So anyway, I'm saying all this because we want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, you know, but, but, you, but you've got to literally spend, you've got to literally walk with God the Holy Ghost. It's more than having a, a gift, a tongue, an interpretation, a prophecy, a word of knowledge. Way more than that. Okay. Philippians chapter 3, please turn over there. We're going to get into another subject tonight. Uh, I mean, we're not another subject. We're going we're gonna to take this one a, a little deeper. And um, I think Shirley will like this. No, her, Shirley and I have had talks about this. And I know. Where's Philippians? In the New Testament. On Sunday night prayer, every once in a while, I've got to prompt people to get out of devotional mode. Mm. What I mean by that, we're having a prayer meeting, and we've got people, sweet people, back in the church, praying so quiet that if I was sitting three inches from your mouth, I still wouldn't be able to tell what you were saying. <laughs> and this is what it looks like. Now, I understand fanaticism. And I'm not talking about being noisy just to be noisy. But have you ever heard a 747 take off quietly? Power is noisy. In the presence of God is noise. There's two of the noisiest places in the universe are heaven and hell. Philippians 3, I want to show you this. 13, 14. I press. Do you think Paul's a Christian? Is Paul a Christian? Does he know Jesus? Is he the righteousness of God? What in the Sam Hill is he pressing for? He's pressing in. Listen, listen, you've got to learn something about just because you're born again, just because you, you know Jesus does not mean you're walking around in the presence of God all the time. You are not. When you want to get in the presence of God, you're going to predetermine, I'm going to press in to the things of God. And you're going, there is that, well, let me tell you, this is not pressing. That's not pressing. This is pressing. That's pressing. This is not pressing. Are y'all getting this? You want to get in the presence of God. And I, you know, the, the Bible says that we're to love God with all of our spirit, our soul, and your body. You're, listen, don't tell me you have a praise in your heart and not in your flesh. You're lying. When there's something going on in you, it's going on outside you at the same time. If you jumping on the inside, you jumping on the outside. And if you ain't jumping on the outside, you ain't jumping on the inside. If you ain't pressing, you ain't going anywhere in God. All right, let's go. Let's, let's just take this deeper. Because we're talking atmosphere now. Are y'all ready? Because I'm going to show you some more. 2 Timothy 1, 6. Pop, pop, pop it on the screen. Therefore, I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. How in the world are you stirring anything up sitting there in a devotional prayer? <laughs> Honey, this ain't stir. Are y'all out there? You go home. Ain't nothing stir about that. 
Stir up the gift of God. That means there's a gift in you and he is not going to be involved in anything until you have predetermined, I'm coming into the prayer meeting, I'm going to press in, I'm going to stir up the gift of God on the inside of me, and we are going to have a time today in God. Now, it's not that you got to get loud to get God to move, but you got to get loud to get your sorry flesh to quit ruling and reigning in your life so that you can get in the presence of God. Now, I know that sounds a little crazy, but that's the reason why that we get criticized for, for being, um, um, what's, it's not extravagant, um, emotionalism. Yeah. Well, honey, when I, when I, when the, the day that I married Lisa, I, I was emotional. Not at the, not at the wedding. I <laughs> we were emotional. Yeah, we were emotional. I was, I was stirring up some gifts. I, I was pressing in. I, I, all kind of stuff was going on. And waiting for, for a year and a half of this. I ain't getting to bed and watching television. I am stirring up some gifts. Colossians chapter 4, I got, I don't think they're going to come back tonight over there. They're not coming back at all. Colossians 4, look at this scripture because we've got Christians that don't know this is in the Bible. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, laboring fervently for you in prayer. Honey, there is a type, there is some, listen, if you want a move of God, you, God is in you. You're going to have to move you. There is, there is some laboring. There is fervency. Fervent love. The Bible calls about fervent love. Have fervent love. Not not dead, dried up love. Fervent love. Hot love. Man, when you hot, somebody knows when you hot. Do you know why the Bible doesn't like lukewarm? You know why? You know, you know this is the way we read that. That cold is bad, lukewarm is better, and hot's good. God said, uh-uh, oh, no, no, no. There's only one temperature hot, and I'd rather you be backslidden, smoking dope, and drinking beer than sitting in a church half-baked and lukewarm because you think you're right with God, and the sinner knows he's not, and you think you are, and you're further from God than the guy down the street smoking dope. Because lukewarm, he said, I'll just vomit you out. I can't stand it. And that's what I'm talking about. You come to a prayer meeting and, or a worship service and you're sitting back there going, you ought to slap yourself upside your head and say, shut up, brain. We are pressing in. Man, we are not leaving here until we have connected with Almighty God. I mean, I mean, I, he said the Sabbath. He didn't say nothing about no hour. I think we ought to take that clock off the wall. I think we ought to make it. I think I want a remote one. And I think I want to be able to turn the hands back. So y'all think, oh my God, we got two more hours in here. And you look about an hour later and it's climbing five minutes is all you. You thought, woo! Get over looking at that stupid clock. Acts 4. Come on, I'm going to nail it down tonight, Shirley. I'm just going to nail it down. And from now on, I'm just going to give you the CD. And quit trying to get people fired up. Here's another scripture. People have no idea it's in the Bible. Acts 4, 12, I think. No, 4:23. And being let go... They went to their own companions. That means they knew where their church was. That it wasn't here one week and someplace else the next. 
and reported all the chief priests and the elders. And when they heard that, they raised their voice to God. They what? Raised it. They, li they lifted their voice. How do you think that the person knew to write what they said if they were sitting next to you? Amen. We can't write that down. We didn't even hear you. You can't hear me. I can hear you, honey. Are y'all out there to go home? Listen to me. You can't write down what you said if nobody knows what you said. And we can't get in agreement with what you said if we can't hear what you said. So we want to hear you pray. If you want to do devotionals, go home and do your devotionals. You can sit in your living room as quiet as you want to be as a church mouse, and God is fine with that. But not in here, you're not. Amen. You come to our prayer meeting, man, you better leave your, uh, your, your lazy self back at home. We, we're going to come in here and we're going to do some pressing and some stirring and some... Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. We're going to make a little noise. All right, let's, let's look at another one. Oh, my God, I'm out of time. I got, to, I got to show you this next one. We've got to do this one. We can't go home without Acts 2. Go to Acts 2. I mean, it, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly the Spirit of God came from heaven, rushed from sound and mighty, filled the house where they were sitting. Have you ever noticed that he didn't tiptoe in, opened up and say, hey. Shh. I'm going to fill all y'all with the Holy Ghost. But for all, please be dignified and don't make a scene. That ain't in your Bible. But you would think it was listening to Christians. I'm going to tell you something. God is not bothered by you speaking in tongues. Let me just tell you that. Now, your mother-in-law might be, but God is not. And when you bring your relatives and you're praying that nothing happens that Sunday, that's the Sunday God is going to do something in church because he don't like that attitude. Man, I'm going to make some noise today, and I'm going to do it right in front of your mama. It's my church. I'll make all the noise I want to make. And Sister Lulu's going to prophesy, and somebody's going to dance and run, and it hadn't happened in a month, but you bring your relatives, it's going to happen that Sunday. Some of y'all are laughing because it has happened. It's happened to me too. Verse 4, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Spirit gave them utterance. And there was dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation. And when the sound occurred and the multitude came together, and the whole multitude came together, whole multitude. How many people? It said 3,000, 3,000, 3,000 people. I'm going to tell you all something. Until you got 3,000 people showing up out here knocking, you ain't loud enough. Because God ain't ashamed of a move of God. There was only 120 people making so much noise. For, it didn't say men. It just said men. That means there was about another three or 4,000 women. That means there's about 10,000 or 20,000 people showed up at that church because of that move of God. Amen. So you know God wasn't being quiet about it. I mean, he blew in. I mean, he blew in. It was a hurricane. I mean, it was like, whoo! He wanted, I want everybody in Jerusalem to pay attention. I'm God and I'm showing up. Woo! Now, I got to tell you one more thing. You know, I get criticized all the time for being loud. All the time. All the time. My favorite one is this. I was at Denny's one day, and, and I, I had to talk to a woman. She, she was wanting to remarry, and she said, I'm having real issues with getting married again. And I said, well, I'm not going to counsel with you alone, so we're going to go to Denny's. So we met at Denny's, and I'm sitting over in the corner, and we're talking. And I had people coming after Walking up and shaking my hand and going, I wish every pastor did what you're doing today. I really enjoyed what you had to say. <laughs> and I said, where are you sitting? Oh, we're sitting on the other side of the building over there. 
That's what I had to learn. I think when I talk, it kind of carries a little bit everywhere, you know. People say to me, you need to, you need to whisper, and I go, I am whispering. <laughs> so, so here I am preaching on getting loud, and I'm probably the loudest guy in the building. There's a lot more in, in here. But I think that when Paul and Silas were in jail, it says the prisoners were here and were listening to them. I mean, if, if you're, if you're going to worship God, there, there, there's no such thing as quiet, fervent prayer. You understand? You're, you're not doing anything. If, if, the, if, if, you're, if you can't light you up, you ain't lighting nothing else up. I hope that makes sense. And, and, I'm, and see, when you start talking about having a services where God is moving, let me tell you something. When he moves, you're going to have to start cooperating, and you're, and you're going to get noisy. You understand? I mean, it's going to get noisy. And, and, and one more thing. Does that mean that all the noise is God? No. No. But if you start shutting down what's flesh, then the, the people that want to step in, they won't jump in. The only people that will be making noise is the numb nuts. So you have to let them go and make all the noise they want to have a real move of God. You got that? You understand this? Now, I wanted to preach on word, on word of knowledge and word of wisdom tonight, and I just kept thinking, well, I can't do it. I, you guys aren't ready to talk about the gifts yet until you're ready to, to move with the Holy Ghost. As a person. Now, he's a person. You don't have to wait till next Sunday to spend time with him. You start spending time right now. Now, now Lord willing, if, I, if, if you guys will straighten up and fly right, and, and I don't have to keep preaching on, you know, obey God, and God thinks you're ready to hear it, we can start talking about the gifts of the Spirit in your everyday life. I've had, I've had words of knowledge over toilets. How to fix a toilet. I've had words of knowledge over a sink. I've had words of knowledge over a, over a Super Sport 396 wiper in a car on how to fix a windshield wiper. I, I mean, the Holy Ghost is cool. He's cool. I mean, there's more to him than church. I've had him tell me where the deer were. I've had him show me where fish were. And this, there's more to this than, oh, Lord, Hallelujah. Uh, can I tell you one more? We're out of time. I wanted to buy a jeans jacket one time for my, when I got my motorcycle, and the, Lord, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. I think it was Sears, Sanford, walk in the door, go to the right, second rack, there's a jacket. And I got on my bike and drove to Sears, walked in, there's a jacket. When I got home, we said, why didn't you shop? I said, I don't need to. The Holy Ghost did in my shopping. He told me where the best deal was. I told Lisa, I said, from now on, if you pray, you wouldn't be running from store to store. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, I'm picking on her now. But I'm, but I'm telling you all the truth. Teaching you this is cool. This is a cool way to live. But I gotta, you got to break out of this dead formalism that you call Christianity. It's not Christianity. There's a time to come to church and listen. And there's a time for you to come and get involved. And I mean, forget everybody's up here. You just spend time with God. And just because the worship service is over, you, that doesn't mean you have to stop. You can sing without music. I, if I don't like the words, I change them. That's why Lisa won't let me sing. She won't let me sing nothing because I always change the words. I go, well, that's just the way the writer got it wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> How many of y'all this helped you? Yeah. I want you to make a confession with me. From this night forward, I'm going to press in. I'm going to stir up the gift of God. I'm going to learn to pray fervently, to pray fervently. 
when the Holy Ghost leads me to be fervent. Being quiet is not always God. There are times when it's going to get noisy, and I'm ready for it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading me and guiding me into a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.